TV Shmeevy. That's right. Oh, shit. episode two twenty nine. Two twenty nine. Hola. I like that you started the episode just by saying TV Shmeevy. <laughs> What's good that remember. that you know you hear that and not movie Shmeevy because yes. it's like. It's a special episode. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. And, you know, you come here thinking, oh, I got the new Movie Schmovie episode. Then you Get immediately the hear... TV Schmovie. You realize, oh, this is a special thing right now. Ronald's an octave higher, and they're not saying Movie Schmovie, so... Aha. We're doing some How's everybody doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. All right. Everybody, one octave up. Let's go. Whole episode. Somebody's going to be like, am I listening to this like two times fast? I need to dial this back. Two times yeah. Well, one thing's for sure is I'm John. I'm Ron. And that's not very sure. It doesn't sound. <laughs> He's, he thinks. That's one thing's true. likely. The caffeine's draining. You're yeah. probably Ron. The highs are so high, but the lows are so low when it comes yeah. to caffeine. Yeah. It's like, why did I do this to myself? Who are you? I'm Steve. <laughs> right. So was that outburst of TV Schmeevy? Was that the that was it? That was the that peak was of energy? Oh, that's that's gonna, the, it's a yeah. slow decline from here. That's the height of my energy, and it's, it's all downhill from now. But yes, it's TV Shmeevy, which is mm-hmm. the the what we call an episode of Movie Shmeevy, where we change our focus from movies to television. If you think about it, it tracks, it checks out. It's been a while. I think the last TV Shmeevy episode we did may have been the best shows of of 2017 that we did early in the year. So cool. So it's mm. been a while. I don't know. I, I guess we do talk about television along the way when we're talking about movies. But I had wanted to ask you guys. There seems to be this back and forth. A little teeter totter between like, are movies the best or are, is television the best? And a few years ago, it's it, I was feeling like the best stuff that was being made was on television, and that movies were kind of losing a little bit of ground in terms of the stories that I was really drawn to and that I really loved. I think in 2018, I kind of felt a fatigue with prestige television. Mm, There's so many that. things to watch that it really became impossible that then you start looking at a 10-hour commitment for a story or a 12-hour commitment to view a season of a show. And it was the first year that it started to seem to me like, I don't know that all these shows that are getting 10 or 12 hours, I don't know that shows need to be that long. Like maybe something that could I be done that. in four episodes or six episodes is being done in 13. And I think that that's adding to the sort of just the sense of investment and commitment you have to have to say, I'm going to see this story through to the end, let alone 10 hours for a season. Oh, then it. you're watching one season of four or five. So when a new show comes out that you like and you sign on and you watch one episode and you like it and you say, okay, now I'm signing on for waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting with this thing. I don't know. How did you guys feel? Do you, do you know at all what I mean? That feeling yeah. that like this year it was almost impossible to feel... Like you were keeping up, but also, do you ever get that feeling of not being satisfied when you know they're going to draw the story out as much as they can? Oh, yeah. I don't really identify as much with the latter. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess I don't really think about that too much, because if I start to feel that as I'm going through it, sure. You don't look Um, at a show and go, oh, boy, 10 hours? (laughs) Right, right. I don't. From from Jump, I don't. But uh, but I do kind of feel like it has, I, I have experienced more so this year, or in 2018, that I find myself like you know kind of cherry picking the shows that I feel like yeah I think have the biggest chance to succeed with mm-hmm. me or that spiked my interest the most or of especially things that you know you're hearing everybody saying are like these are the best shows like yeah you know like I, I would love to watch all of them eventually but like you're saying like time is limited and yeah. I still want to go to the movies a lot and I have a uh, 18 month old it's like I'll watch what I, I think I'm going to enjoy the most based mm-hmm. off of what I know about it or based off the marketing or the source material or those involved. 
So, I mean, I do feel like there's been a little bit more of like a, uh, like a pre-qualify or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've been trying to do like what interests me. And, you know, for the most part, though, I feel like I, I liked a lot of TV this year. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> there's a, f- a few standouts like that I'll bring up on the show tonight mm-hmm. that um really stood out to me. And they kind of, in, in some ways, were kind of spread across the year, which was kind of nice mm-hmm. for me. And uh, one thing I did do is I tried not to mention this year, I tried not to mention shows that I've mentioned before. Yeah, that's what I tried to do, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Good. You guys are going to help me because... I've got the most basic okay, good. repeat offender list that mm. anyone's ever had. Because I had two on the list. I was like, uh, I just talked about these last year, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to do it again. I specifically got ones that started in 2018. Okay. Just just yeah, so yeah, I yeah. could yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. So that's cool. Yeah, because like, yeah, I mean, shows came back that I, I loved, like, that I, you know, like, I love Netflix's uh, American Vandal season two and, and Big Mouth and... Good plays. There's so many good show like comedies on TV that I think are just still pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really tried to focus on, like Ronald said, shows that premiered in 2018 or new versions of shows or anthologies or whatever. That's a new story. But um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about the ones that I have. What about you, Ronald? Movies versus TV. Do you see them as competing with each other for your for your time, or do you uh, do you see it all as just time spent watching whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, I think what's starting to happen is the shift to the since more shows are starting to become more prestige and and, and stuff like that. It's the golden age. I've noticed that the commercials for the TV shows are almost starting to feel the way that it felt with the Oscar nominated movies where they play the orchestrated music mm-hmm. for those movies. That's now becoming the TV shows. That's now becoming ugh, nominated for that. I oh. never saw that for TV shows and it's starting to become a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would rather a UK four than a US 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's a good enough show, I'll, I'll absolutely watch the 10. Yeah. It just really depends on how good it is. See, I get, I don't know, maybe I'm just, I'm <laughs> older than you guys, so maybe I'm like thinking of my time left on earth <laughs> a little like, differently. I, maybe something happens in your mid-40s where I you're like, know. 12 out? I, I don't know if I'm interested enough in yeah. that. And then, feel, and then there's so. things where I am very interested, and then I watch a couple episodes, and it's hard for me to keep up. And yeah. I don't know, I, I don't, wouldn't want to spoil anything that was on anyone's list, but there are shows this year that I watched one or two episodes of that I thought were great, yeah. but I didn't watch enough of them to believe that I could speak to the whole season or everything that came out this year. Yeah. So for me, I, I actually, I feel like this is the same thing that's happened with my music consumption on certain years, which is the albums I'm buying. I look and I realize these are all albums by people that I've been listening to for 20 years mm-hmm. or people on their fifth or sixth album. And it's like, that's what I'm most excited about. But it's like, I, I don't, that's not to say that there's not new stuff that I should be seeking. It's just sometimes I feel like I'm more hunkered down with things I already knew were great. Right. And sometimes I think I'm like, no, 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 I got to see something new. I got to see something new. But I felt like I had to complete a season in order to put a show on my list. And there were a lot of shows I did not complete this year. So that's why my list feels somewhat repetitive but I also tried to focus on a particular episode and I think that is something that really great shows can do is maybe they've got a pretty darn good season but there'll be an episode that just knocks your socks off and you can only do that with the sort of long form serialized television storytelling where you have years to get to know a character that's one way that movies still can't do what a television show yeah. can do, which is give you that sense of, oh, for two years I've liked this character and they just did something unforgivable. A movie can't create that sense of, you know, betrayal or right, excitement right. or whatever. So, cool. So I don't know. Um, who wants to get it started? 
maybe since I've got the most basic list of all, I'll be the guy. Okay. To get the it started. Guy. Yeah. Um, I, I did specifically, I, I, when I thought about the, the shows that I watched this year that I really loved and the ones that stuck with me, I did say, okay, since I am being repetitive, I'll at least do the, myself the service of trying to think of what was the moment, what was the actual experience that, that cinched it for this show this year. And um, I think it was on my list last year, uh, Atlanta. Um, or did Atlanta, it skipped a year. So maybe it wasn't on my list last year. It would have been the year before. It did skip. It, it shows did. skipping years. It did. Okay. Um, we're, hey, we're back in a year where we get new Game of Thrones and new Stranger Things, though. So yes. I don't know if new Atlanta's coming this year. But um, the episode of Atlanta where uh, where Paperboy is trying to get a haircut. Oh, oh. So good. It's one of the funniest <laughs> things I saw all year, period. You want some Zaxby's? Oh, God. Got some Zaxby's. What was his name? <laughs> Bibby? Was that his name? Yeah. Oh, so perfect. And, and like such a great uh, acting showcase in the sense of that. I don't even know who that was that played Bibby, but he was. He was I said comedian. I forget his name, man. Uh, he that guy's so funny. But but Brian Tyree Henry, who we've said before, is on a roll. Like yeah, he is fire. so great. His slow burn expressions in that episode that I think the episode was just called Barbershop. Let me actually look and see. I think That's it was a really good episode, yeah. midway into the season. Let me just eyeball that real quick. Uh, yeah, it was this fifth season, fifth episode of an eleven episode season. So it was right mm. there in the middle, right where you do those kind of experimental kind of bottle episode where you or where where you you break off one character and this show I felt like the second season was a lot of that of yeah. of not you didn't get the whole ensemble together quite as much as you did the first time which can be a real drawback but you end up with these great standalone episodes and mm. the, the episode that followed this one was the Teddy Perkins episode which was another one <laughs> that had that era of like let's take a character and throw him into a situation yeah but I that situation in in the barbershop episode just the way it kept getting more and more elaborate and everything that Bibby was up to. Yeah. I mean, if, if you don't watch the show, it's basically a guy who's got a photo shoot. He's a he's a hip-hop guy, and he's got a photo shoot, and he wants to look nice, so he goes yeah. to his regular guy, and he needs a haircut. This guy who knows how to cut his hair. And the guy just keeps putting him off and saying, well, I can't cut it because I've got this thing to deal with, but if you come with me, I'll cut it back at my house. And it just keeps becoming everything his... <laughs> And Bibby is the guy who's cutting his hair. Everything that Bibby is up to is so shady and sketchy. And it's just so funny that you would do that to somebody and yeah. you would put them through that. Oh, God. I la- and I, I watched it again when I was thinking about this list. Yeah, it's just hilarious. It's great. It's, I mean, the season did other things that were that were heavier and more interesting in some ways if you're looking at what Donald Glover is trying to do with the structure of the show. But that one just stood out to me as like, okay, if I'm going to repeat a show that's been on my list before, oh, yeah. if I'm going to be that uh, easy to uh, to read, I should at least say it. it's because of an episode like this, which I really think Donald Glover, what he's set up with this show is a world where he can do almost anything I mean he's gotten pretty crazy with individual episodes and individual gags Yeah, and that was present in the first season and I felt like the confidence of seeing that success and going forward the second season is just so yeah. interesting and, and I don't know such a step forward creatively in so many ways there's something kind of serious and almost depressing to me about stuff that Donald Glover makes like I feel like that oh, guy's yeah, got yeah. so much there's, good, like an there's like a heaviness to his thoughts and yeah. there's a lot going on with that guy but the fact that he knows how to create those those comic situations, you yeah. know, and I don't know. It's uh, it's such a fascinating show to me, and I love the production value of it. I love the way it's made, yeah. love the way it's shot, and uh, yeah, the performances are almost always 
across the board great. Who was it that was so great? It was Cat Williams. was also oh, yeah. really good in the first episode of the season. That's another one that you could just about say, just watch this one episode, and, and it, it contains volumes. The first 10 minutes of that episode, mm-hmm. unreal. The, the robbery and the, what looks yeah. like a McDonald's, I guess. And mm-hmm. When a guy gets shot at, and you think he's dead, and he gets back up, and he mm-hmm. <laughs> runs outside, it, that... It's a crazy show, man. Yeah, there's a chaoticness to that show. There's, it's got a surreal quality. Yeah. But it feels yeah. like it's a surreal quality that's drawn from life, not from just somebody spinning wheels in their head. Like, it feels like it's the kind of crazy shit that can happen yeah. in a neighborhood, you it know? Feels, it feels. It also feels really important. Like, I can't, I can't figure out... Obviously, representation, the first thing I think about, but something about it just feels really important. Mm-hmm. Just that the fact that, like, you can make a... A thing that dips in and out of reality the way that it does, but that, but life does that. Yeah, and if, especially if you've got kind of a so grind to your life or a repetitiveness to your life, there are it is punctuated by these moments of did I really see that? Yeah. Did that really happen? And I feel Definitely. like Donald Glover understands the the humor and the kind of pathos <laughs> of that. You know, yeah. yeah, it's a great show. No, what a great show. Um, I guess I'll go next. Is that cool, Steve? Sure, Steve, Steve, Steve. Um. This show isn't rated very well on the Metacritic score and, and Rotten Tomatoes, but I, this show, it has a lot of, it gives me a lot of feels. It's called I Feel Bad uh, with Sarayu Rao Blue, mm-hmm. um, Indian American actress. Uh, it's basically about her family with uh, interracial kids. And living in this world, it's it's a it's a comedy that just kind of deals with her day to day. It's almost framed like blackish, mm-hmm. the way that she has a conflict. She goes to her job. She's a, a head of a division that makes video games, and she talks to her coworkers about a problem, and they kind of give her terrible advice. Yeah. It's the opposite of blackish. They give her mm-hmm. terrible advice, and then she just kind of deals with it. Sometimes they give good advice, but it's done really well. Although that's it's framed the way that blackish is. Is pretty unique because she's Indian American. She has very specifically Indian things. Like her parents, she lives with her parents, and her parents are nuts, but very nice and kind of mm-hmm. grounded. You spend most of the time with uh, her parents and the kids, and seeing her navigate through this world as a hardworking, beautiful, fashionable parent, mm-hmm. uh, trying to maintain her home. It's really well done, man. And and I, I it, it feels like the show that I never thought that I needed. That I could just keep on, like mm-hmm. Aaron and I'll just turn it on during during the day and watch it. Well, it's just a fun show, mm-hmm. it, and it it doesn't need to be anything more than that. And it has a lot of cool messages about understanding and cross cultures and what it means to be an Indian American or minority in the Is world. Is that the show that's uh, produced by Amy Poehler? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Did yeah. you already mention that? Uh, no, I should, I should Oh, no, have. I was just thinking, because yeah, yeah. I, I had that it's, in my head. Is like, I know I've seen ads for this, and I finally realized which show it is that you're talking yeah, about. It looked really funny. Really funny, man. Like, and, and, and a lot of it isn't like all laugh out loud. It's circumstantial, and some of that stuff can be really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time we watch the show, uh, my girlfriend finds something that this woman wears that she wants. I actually bought her a Christmas gift based on this whole concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel bad. Uh, led by this great actress. And what is that on? Oh, I think NBC. Okay. I think it's on NBC. God, I lose track of that. Yeah, That's one thing so I, it's hard for me to tell sometimes. Who like, makes it what worse? What channel is that on? Yeah. It's meshed into this list of things and then, 
You know, it shows you the header at the, yeah. at the beginning, but you can easily just walk away, come back, and like, oh, what? I guess it is on that network. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel bad. I really like it. So my, my first pick uh, is a movie I watch or a TV series I watched towards the end of the year. It's an Amazon series based on um, a hit podcast from a few years ago called Homecoming. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So the podcast was great. Mm-hmm. Like Catherine Keener, Oscar Isaac, David Schwimmer, David Cross. Like you know, very awesome production. Like cool story. It's voice acting. The podcast. This is the series that Amazon made. Based off the podcast, I didn't know anything. So the, the 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 series on Amazon came out in November. Stars Julia Roberts, mm-hmm. Stephen James, um, Alice Kaporsky, um, Shea Wingham, uh, Bobby Cannavale, um, Frankie Shaw. Awesome cast. Mm-hmm. Um, Love the show. Aaron and I watched it in like three days. Mm. The amazing thing about it, and I think it is really cool because they kind of they. The, uh, Sam Esmail, the guy who created it and kind of brought it to the the network. <clears throat> he did like Mr. Robot, so he's like um, has you know kind of like I guess some like this track record of like a, a bit like challenging drama. There's a bit of a technology angle to it, but not really technology, more like science. Um, but it's really cool how it plays against it. But basically, you know, Julia Roberts plays this character at a like. Uh, a center for helping war veterans that are coming back from war, like kind of acclimate back to like, like daily life, mm-hmm. you know, like they're opting into this program to like kind of help them be prepared to go get a job and to go back into their homes and their families and everything. Um, but um, to not spoil anything, like if you, if that sounds interesting at all, it's a drama, it's a thriller in some ways, mm-hmm. but um, really great cast. I, I have always and still do, Love Julia Roberts. Like, mm. she's one of my top favorite actresses ever. Mm. And um, she's great in this. And I love Stephen James. Like, I love them in Beale Street. Mm. I've loved them in most movies I've seen him in, even if I didn't love the movie. But seeing Beale Street and then seeing this, like, it just, like, I, I love this dude. I want to see more from him. And it does this really great thing um, where it's kind of it's kind of told in two timelines oh. that kind of eventually... There's a mer- like that merge point, mm-hmm. like those movies and, and TV series that kind of happen in two different timelines. Some of them really kind of do it really well, like where the editing really works out nicely. And there's something creatively that's decided to kind of help you differentiate from what's in the past and what's in the present mm-hmm. and also maybe what's in the future. Oh, wow. um, but the, the big thing I would say, anybody that's interested, it sounds like it's interested in it. It's eleven. It's ten episodes, and they're only half an hour an episode. See, I love that. Oh, so see. pacing is quick. Mm-hmm. It's a thriller slash drama. It's interesting. Great cast. Great performances all around. It got nominated for a bunch of Golden Globes. Um, but yeah, we'd like watch it in a couple of days, and I, I loved it. And I think it it and it and it, in terms of just you know ending, mm-hmm. it I, it just ends so well. The whole show or each episode. The, all of them, mm-hmm. but the the show. I'm okay. saying, I feel like from start to finish, all the episodes are really strong, and I think it benefits from the 30 hour ma- format. And and you know they kind of the 30, kept minute that thir- 30 minute format. <laughs> 30 minute format. 30 hour. Each episode is just no, 30 hours. 30 minute format, which you know they kept from the podcast format, which is yeah. what the podcast was. Which That's is, really cool. Which was a creative decision. Listen, See, but to that, that is exactly what I was talking about before when I was talking about prestige fatigue. The fact that you can do a show like that and it can be a half hour. 
that to me is makes it more interesting. It does. That cuz you know the rhythms. Like that to me is enough to say they're doing something a little different yeah. than the other people that might have done that same stuff and just assume it's a drama so therefore it has to be an hour. 30-minute sure. dramas are not, not as a, like not for whatever really reason much of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's it, I really really enjoyed the the series and um it just kind of it just felt fresh because of that mm-hmm. from seeing Julia Roberts on the t- TV series. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't know but what's crazy about that is that is big, but you almost don't blink. Like people yeah. do television now right. that you wouldn't believe. I know. It doesn't it's, even seem it's strange. Wild. It's kind of like, oh, good, she got herself a television <laughs> yeah. show. That's what everybody's yeah. doing now. But she's <laughs> like, I mean, obviously, but she's a part of like, like the old school. Yeah. She's a real star. The elite stardom. Like, yeah. Never, I will never do TV sort mm-hmm. of person. I don't think she Not would ever she say ever that. Said that. Yeah. Right. But, you know, the generation that used to say things. No, like that, that era where if you did television and you had been in movies, it meant something went wrong. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm so glad that that's gone. Oh, yeah. yeah. God, I'm so glad that that's gone. Cool. Okay, well, I'll go back to my uh, my super uh, predictable choice. Um, this one will be no surprise to anyone because if, if you know me, you might know that I do a podcast about this show. But Better Call Saul had a great year, but mm. more so than just having a great year, the last episode of the season, which was called Winner, um, it had so... like. The slow burn storytelling on that show does necessitate that certain episodes are a lot more eventful than others. And Mm -hmm. they will spend like weeks building something up and then paying it off in a way that you might say, well, that was predictable, but you also might experience great satisfaction. When Jimmy McGill on Better Call Saul makes a choice that's a bad choice, I feel disappointed in him like he's someone I know. Mm. It's like, how many times can a character break your heart before you stop believing right. he's a good guy? I think Bob Odenkirk's performance is amazingly humanistic. That show's full of great performances. But the way that season ended was such a satisfying kind of gut punch. Mm. I'm not like waiting for the moment when it's just like Breaking Bad, but it feels like they're they're more poised now than ever to jump into, you know, he's going to be wearing loud suits and he's going to yeah. be making these ads. And it's like, it will have such an undercurrent of a real human being to it that it didn't need before when he was just a secondary character but they've done something amazing with that character on that show and I also want to call out one other aspect of this episode is the opening scene they, they do flashbacks frequently on this show so a character can die and still come back the flashback to Chuck McGill played by Michael McKean and Jimmy McGill singing an ABBA song in karaoke together and then going back and kind of drunkenly crashing at Jimmy's place it was these two characters who have we've never really seen them get along and they did the gut punch. I mean, the, the heartbreaking thing of showing us the moment where maybe they were at their their most, like Jimmy had, had you know, had passed the bar, I guess, and Chuck was happy for him and maybe even a little proud of his little brother who he's mm-hmm. never been happy for and never been proud for. And we know that. We know mm-hmm. that their story ends in a sad way. Chuck mm-hmm. dies and they, they had awful things to say to each other before that. So going back and showing this little moment where it's like, they're kind of acting like brothers should act. They're kind of acting like friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so... It, it was so painful and so beautiful and Michael McKean got to actually sing, which he can do. Um, but it also, it's totally set up that idea that in that same episode, you were going to see Jimmy, you know, you were going to see him steer away from that person that his brother wanted him to be. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a really, a really great show. And I can, I'll just repeat what I said about, you feel like, you know, these people, you spend a lot of time. It can be a slow show, but when they make a leap, it's got power because you've spent time with the process and watching right. every step of something. So, right. so yeah, still, still probably one of my favorite shows that I've ever watched, and definitely one of the best shows I watched last year. Even if I think I've said that before a couple times. I need <laughs> to finish that season. I'm like halfway through. I didn't. I was really enjoying it. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. 
just so, so much well, probably TV. because of the the prestige television glut. So much TV. Do you think you guys are more likely to be excited about a show that you can binge or a show that that you watch week to week, or do you think it matters for your investment? I like week to week. I still like week to week, and I don't mind binging either. But I like. Yeah, both mine, Atlanta and Better Call Saul, were shows that I watched week to week, yeah, I like and I feel like I get something out of that time to mull it over. But it does sometimes piss me off <laughs> that I that I, I have probably, to wait. I would probably lean towards <laughs> streaming. I like the you know the. Would binge. you would you ever wait on a show that was week to week so that you could binge it? If I fell behind, yeah, yes, mm. for sure. The you, one the you, one week to week show that I have on my list it kind of happened where I kind of fell behind and then I just waited uh, and then finished it. Gotcha. Yeah. Since I mentioned it, I will just say the podcast I mentioned that I do about Better Call Saul is called Saul Searching. And if you want to hear that, just go to iTunes mm. and search for FYIZ. That's the name of the, the network slash feed that has that podcast on it. Cool. So all those episodes of Soul Searching and other podcasts that I do. But that's a show where I do everything I said before is in full display where it's like that's a slow moving show where mm. they might do six seasons of it. I think they might end with five. But like knowing that you're locked in for something that is not going to pay off for a long time, yeah. that show more than any other really makes you wait for those payoffs. And the fact yeah. that they're usually very satisfying and that the filmmaking and the acting is at such a high level makes it worth the the, the wait. That's a good show. Oh, it's my turn. I okay. think it is. Um, so uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, ah, yes. uh, who is in Fleabag, executive produced a miniseries, women-led, fucking amazing. Didn't she write Sandra, some of Oh, too? some of it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they don't credit. It's weird the way yeah, that they credit her. Yeah, I noticed that, yeah. Jodie Comer. Yeah. Killing Eve, man. Yeah. I, see, that's one that I watched an episode it, of and loved, but didn't didn't pick it back I, I up. I haven't watched it, but it's, like, on the list of, like, I gotta, it, it holds I up. Go. Like, it's they're all as good as the first. Yeah, man. It, it combines tension. Spoiler free. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so... Wait, he said it combines tension. Oh, fuck. I didn't know that. All right, it's off the list. Don't tell me what I it combines it tension with, oh, or yeah. you've ruined the whole show. No, it combines tension and what? I've, I've <laughs> never seen a... You know how you, you see shows about a detective chasing a person, and they do a, a thing where there's chemistry between the two people, and it feels like, okay, there's this hints of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen something where the the chemistry feels so real, so visceral between mm. two people, mm. and borders on, you know, obsession in a way that I've never seen presented. And Sandra O, oh, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything like this. It's 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 presented in a way that just is so different than anything I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, Asian women as leads just should happen more often. Minorities as leads, but Asian women, Asian men, just used as these amazingly strong symbols mm-hmm. isn't a thing you see very often. Somebody portrayed right. as this fully realized person with feelings and insecurities in this relationship investigating a killer and as the information un- unravels and the paths that cross between these people, it is insane. Mm-hmm. It's done so well. Oh, man, you just reminded me of how much I enjoyed that, yeah, that yeah. tone. What platform is that on? Oh, 
Don't get me is it the Netflix? Line, it might be on Netflix. I'm is. not sure. Uh, I saw it as it was airing. Because okay. I saw this article that was just like, you might, you have to see this show right now. Well, you're talking about the sort of diversity and inclusion aspect of it. I think a huge part of what you just said, too, that might be part of why it has this different tone and why it feels so essential, mm-hmm. is that it's not just female-led. Mm-hmm. It's like behind the camera, yeah, female talent as well. It's yeah. a... Mm that aspect of like someone telling the story like it's not just a story that's not normally told featuring people that you don't normally see but like when that when when it's behind the camera too when you know i i i think that's the thing like representation casting people is one piece of it but actually having the stories being told by the people that might relate to the experience of the characters right because like if every movie has like a really diverse cast but it's still middle-aged white guys making it yeah it kind of it's like oh it's good but it kind of makes you go oh well, is that yeah is that really progress you know so, so a show like this the fact that it's a phoebe waller bridge sort of she's sort of the auteur behind this project mm-hmm. i think that does add to there's a lot of that nuance. quality that you're talking about yeah there's a lot of nuance like i, I feel like if a man wrote this this show th- there'd be interactions where where there's supposed to be tension, the guy would just say something ridiculous, yeah. and and this is just subtle. It's like adjusting someone's hair yeah. is is the difference between. But the relationship between the two women, it might even be presented in a kind of leering way yeah. if it were men making yeah, yeah. it. I don't know. I just think that might be a component that makes something because it does have a different tone. It's like you've seen stories like this before, yeah. but there's something about this that feels like it's a little bit more intimate and a little bit more willing to go into the emotions and less obsessed with the sort of prurient sort of crime part of it you know yeah, i mean it's that yeah. thing of so it's a it's a different perspective so no I, I i'm glad that it holds up how many episodes was it six yeah that's six really good show i know i know that it's on amazon i'm pretty sure it's on amazon that i think it's hulu hulu jesus Christ. so we went through three we hit the we third one yeah hulu it's on hulu huh okay hulu huh huh there it huh. is really good show i'm t- like you you haven't seen anything like this before. Yeah. Even if you don't like it. it. You haven't it. seen it. It's so fucking good to me, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah, really Two women-led unique. things, man. I'm on a roll. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to stop your roll, dude. Message. You need yeah. to do more things with women, man. Yeah. That's all. Uh, my next pick is the uh, the second season of Ryan Murphy's American Crime Story. Mm-hmm. This is the assassination of Johnny Versace. Um, it's it's uh, this is the one I was saying I kind of fell behind a little bit, and then I kind of waited and watched it all in, in one sitting. Uh, Darren Chris is incredible in the show as mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Cunanan. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting decision on how the the show kind of just like plays out, like because it basically starts with the assassination. That's not like a spoiler. It's in the marketing for it, mm-hmm. and kind of tells a story, sort of in reverse, kind of going through what what leads to the inevitable mo- moment when that happens, and it builds like a mystery around it, even though you know it's the situation like with these factual things or these real life uh, events where you know what happens, but it does that thing just like it did in season one of the you know the oj simpson story like where it builds the tension it builds the character development to a point that like whether or not you really you 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 care about the the villain of the series in a way like you're you're wanting to know what happened or or how he got to the point that he was in and it also sheds light on things that i never knew about the story you know about like the the men that were killed in in his path to johnny versace which i never was aware of and the characters 
that he meets along the way um, that had an impact on who he was. And, and those characters that were victims, um, some of that work by um, Cody Fern and um, Finn Whitrock, like just really good stuff, like really emotional, like really got me kind of moments. Mm. Um, I just thought it was so kind of out there, kind of bold. A real like kind of chance in in how the story was told, mm. um, and obviously you know it's got a lot of that like eighties nineties pulp to it that I mm-hmm. that I that gets me, um, but I I loved it. I thought it was incredible, and I thought Darren Chris just was like, there's a sequence in in the show that it's probably like it's been on like it's a meme you know like where he's like dancing in a in like like a penthouse suite mm-hmm. of, of a hotel or or some rich mansion. And it involves like him duct taping this guy's face up that he's like kind of sort of like selling sex to sort of or mm-hmm. not. Um, it's like the one of the most uncomfortable things to watch, but it's also one of the most amazing like sequences I saw on TV mm-hmm. this year. And that it was on like a network TV or cable network TV. Cause I think it's on FX. Yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I just loved it. I don't know. I loved the OJ season, and I love this one. I may, I might have even liked it more because I didn't know much more about this besides the fact that he killed Jenny Versace. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of stuff in there about Versace as well, and like how homosexuality was dealt with in the '90s, and like you know the phobia, and like you know how it affected him and his brand, and him and his relationship with his sister. Mm. And uh, Penelope Cruz plays uh, his sister Donatella, and. Just a great cast, man. Ricky Martin is in there, um, who's actually really good in the series as Johnny's uh, partner, you know, longtime assistant lover. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't know. I loved it. I I, it's 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 one of the ones like I I feel like I found myself recommending to a lot of people, especially like you know if you liked Crime Story season or American Crime Story season one. I, I don't know. I like what Ryan Murphy's doing with that anthology format for that series because mm. it's like there's such a success in telling these stories, like I said, that you know the ending, mm. but take me back to the beginning and fill in the stuff that mm-hmm. most people don't know. And mm. there was so much I had no clue about um, about that character and deciding to focus the majority of the series on this murderer mm-hmm. is a bold decision. Yeah. And it, I think it pays off huge for the show. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was well, I mean, great. in a way, that's the real story. It is of that. I mean, obviously, Johnny Versace is a very famous victim, and there's there's story to be told there. But that idea that like a murderer is sort of a reflection of the times that yeah. they're in, and that you Absolutely. can look at the way they operate and the 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 way the things they used to manipulate people and stuff, and yeah, the, the attitudes towards homosexuality in that period played into. Oh, Andrew Cunanan's yeah. like development as a human, and I didn't watch the show, but I know what you mean about the story. It's like at the time it was like a footnote to the story that there were these other people yeah. that he had encountered, and you know his. But because it seemed like Johnny Versace was the story, so to pull it back and say, "No, look at this trajectory of this guy who went from a troubled guy to something much worse," and why did he do it, and what yeah. was the transformation about? No, that's an interesting yeah. approach. Ryan Murphy seems to have. It's funny that he's got these multifaceted ways of approaching television. He makes these shows that feel like they're designed to be seen as kind of trashy and yeah. fun and disposable. And then he goes and does these other shows that are, that are, you know, like the American crime story. And I think the feud where yeah. it's like, mm. it is, he did pose. I haven't seen that, but I heard that is, really good. Oh, does that count? When did that come out? 2018. Oh, I didn't. That know. was in the fall. Fuck. You missed one, Ronald. 
I forgot. For some reason, I thought that came out in 2017. That show is incredible, I've but heard it's really also good like about it. you really gotta you had to make room for Fuller House. Beep boop bop. We had a technical <laughs> difficulty. We were talking about uh, the Versace season or the Andrew Cunanan season of American Crime Story. And then mm. we were in the midst of that and we kept talking, but my computer did not keep recording. Uh, As they do sometimes. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to try to painstakingly recreate the 15 or so minutes that we completely lost. Oh, man. Um, we're going to go back through each syllable. It's got to be in place, just like it was before. No, but you were talking about that show, and I don't—I can't remember if you had any any further thoughts after your kind of initial salvo of thoughts about it. We were just talking about the the choices that Ryan Murphy makes with these types of adaptations that yeah. he does, and he's got his—he's got his finger in a lot of pies. It seems a lot of different crazy shows. What, what is it about the American Crime Story shows that kind of set him apart? You think from his other work? Man, I'm not really sure. I mean, like, he touches on other series where he's dealing with, like, real-life stories, Mm -hmm. you know, feud or pose. Like, these are things that are at least some part of the story is based in history yeah, or something that happened. But I don't know. I think it's just uh, choosing the right stories, like, Mm -hmm. you know, doing OJ, doing this. And, I mean, um, I think... The next one may be a story like Katrina related, and uh, mm-hmm. they may even have like rumors for like a fourth season. Mm. Um, just picking the right stories that you know people know enough about, but not not everything about, mm-hmm. you know, or that there's other information that could reframe the story as you learn more of it, which is something that I think happened with this story for me personally, and maybe you know could be interesting to to see what they do with the Katrina story if that comes to be the next season. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. He's got so much going on, and he's got this Netflix deal, and it's like. He's he's got a voice and he knows how to make people listen to it and uh, he works with a lot of interesting actors and actresses and uh, they seem to really like working with him because they kind of cross over yeah. a lot of his series so I mean I'm excited to see what he's doing next and you know would highly recommend the the Versace season of American Crime Story for sure and Katrina is supposed to be this so, year supposed to be this year I think I mean like I think like uh, it was supposed to be this yeah they announced point. it as the second season yeah right. Um, but yeah, hopefully it comes out this year because uh, I'd be curious to see his take on that or what angle they'd go at for that. I wonder if there's going to be, that almost feels like a hot, like maybe there's the time it takes to treat that subject with some sensitivity too, because that does kind of feel like a story that could, could I mean, it's racially charged, you yeah, know, yeah. like so was the OJ situation, but but the Katrina thing is much deeper and, and yeah. has many more moving pieces in it. It's like conspiracy on a weird level. And right. You got to do the work. And, and I think that Ryan understands that. Mm-hmm. I feel like he does, especially after the, the reaction to OJ. Mm-hmm. Probably took out some time to figure it out. It's so. just interesting to me that he has this kind of more serious-minded approach that he can take to these certain things that are different from, say, like Scream Queens or even American right. Horror Story that definitely are built on a sort of schlocky framework of, of mm. being like pushing the boundaries of what you can get away with showing on television. And then he mm. does these other things that are these highly respected sort of all-star true crime things. Um, right. Well, all right. It's not as exciting rounding into my final pick now for the second time, but since this is take two of me uh, talking about this, I'll try to I'll try to create the same kind of mystery in you guys' mind. Uh, what's what's John about to say? Is it going to be the same thing he chose before? I have no idea. Um, but I I had as my as my favorite show of the year, I guess my number one on this list anyway. As uh, the house the 
house what do you call it? I was confusing the house the, market. <laughs> the house that fear built or something I don't know what I was about to say but um uh, the haunting of hill house which is uh you know we've talked about him but Mike Flanagan who is a horror director who who just really has a knack for making the most of of the budget that he's got and the scenario that he's got he had this bigger canvas to paint on and and haunting of hill house it 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 does the thing that the great horror films do. You were saying, and and take one of this conversation. You mentioned that Jason Bloom said that thing about yeah. that the human drama is is always is always going to deepen the horror. And when I saw Haunting of Hill House, and then shortly after that watched The Shining, it did dawn on me too that my favorite horror movies, if you took the horror out, you would still care about the human characters, sure. you know, and you would still yeah. care about what they were going through. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't have this added element because of the horror. I'm, I was much more interested in the human drama of Haunting of Hill House because of the horror elements. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it had well-rounded characters and it spent so much time getting to know them and showing you what they're going through and showing you their their ups and downs, that, that seeing those characters finally come together in episode six of this 10-episode season was that was really the high point of the season to me. Sure. I like the stuff that happens after that, but up to that point, I was so fascinated with revealing each character as it went and then getting to that point where they're finally in a room together and you're seeing their present versions. This show deals with two different timelines. It shows them as children in the house and then whatever happened that they ran out of the house and something happened to their mother and now as adults, they're coming back together uh, for another tragic reason. Um, it just was such a carefully modulated story, and that sixth episode is such a, a, a pivot because you're, fun, you're finally seeing how these people act around each other, and yet you're also seeing the, the wounds that, that time can't heal and, right. and the fact that the horror is part of that. And I think both storylines resolve pretty satisfyingly for the whole, for the whole season. You get, you get a good resolution to the kind of horror supernatural side of things, but you also get... Uh, some sense of why you watch the story about these characters. And it's that sixth episode. Um, not only does it have that emotional content that's so strong, it also has that aspect of the uh, the way that it was filmed to feel like it's in as few uninterrupted takes as possible. I'm sure there's some making of information about how they shot this thing. But um, right down to something we mentioned, uh, which is that one of the actors has a flub in one of the takes, and you get a sense that they had... This, these shots must have lasted 10 or 15 minutes for, to get one of these camera moves down. And it really is like watching a play. You can yeah. see that the actors have that in them. And that, yeah, this this flub remains in the final edit because I'm assuming they just didn't have a better take they could use. That that was probably the, the least offensive error that they had to deal with. But, uh, you know, somehow it doesn't feel like a technical exercise. It feels like a very emotional story. So I was I was amazed by the technical excellence of this episode and this show in general. Mm-hmm. But also, I was really impressed that they were able to stick the landing of these emotional arcs and these characters who, they're all broken and, and damaged and, and hurting each other and hurting themselves in some way. Um, so yeah, you really, you really come to care about them, which I do think is the key to, if you're going to make people invested in, in something bad happening to characters or in the horror aspect of a story... Uh, uh, you know, building real characters that you can believe in and whose whose tragedies seem like they can't be easily fixed. Like, no matter what happens in that story, you don't get a sense that it can wipe out the sadness of what's happened to some of these people, particularly the character of Luke, yeah. the addict uh, brother who's kind of a ne'er-do-well. But, um, yeah, and I want to throw a certain amount of appreciation just to what uh, Timothy Hutton was able to do in the role. We'd, we'd, up to this episode, uh, which is called Two Storms, we see Henry Thomas play the younger version of that character, and when we finally really get to know this man, we've, we, we know just what he's been up to. We know that there's this haunted aspect to him, um, 
And I really think that there's something very subtle and very kind of, he's almost like an impotent character in those scenes. He's trying to be there for his kids and be something for them. Mm-hmm. And they don't really need him. And yeah. and there's something, yeah, there's something so sad about that. You really want to see these characters kind of find each other in the midst of all this supernatural horror that, <clears throat> that was really well done. And I, I know we're trying to repeat what we just talked about, but I do want to just mention that the way that the horror in this show, the, the, the offhanded nature of the ghost, the fact that a camera might move past an apparition that you're not going to get the story of it. You're not going to hear any other development of it. You might not even see it again. Yeah. But you do get a sense that certain parts of this house have these ghosts just kind of in them and that the people that live in this house are being watched constantly. Um, I don't know. There's so much about it that just works for me. And uh, I think I did a better job the first time through, but you never know. You know, some, you know this is just like the long takes in that episode. This, yeah. this, is, a, this is my own long take that didn't go as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, Haunting of Hill House. I, I've watched it twice all the way through. It's the only show that I did that with, you know, that I watched the whole season more than once. Cool. So, uh, so I would definitely recommend. I know, you, Ronald, you said you didn't, you, you had technical issues with yeah, watching man, it. Yeah, man. Apple TV was acting up mm-hmm. with the 4K settings, and I didn't see it for like a month, and then I finally just gave up after a while. Then I figured out what it was through looking at a forum. Were there other shows that, that it did that to? It was another 4K show. It was that in, um, I think, Maniac. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, That's that Maniac that. for some reason. I liked Maniac. I didn't finish the season to that, but I thought either. I liked the way that either. was made. Yeah. For some reason. I'll, I'll just piggyback on yours so mm-hmm. that Ronald can close the show What a surprise, out. Steve. Yeah, weird, huh? <laughs> um, but yeah, Haunting of Hill House was also my number one show of the year. And I mean, we, <clears throat> we previewed it a little bit like that. We're going to do a, a, a best of uh, list for our favorite films of the year next week. But I, I don't know that I enjoyed anything more than I enjoyed this show this year. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I've watched it multiple times and I almost feel like I've enjoyed it more each time I watch it. Um and the comment about the the, the Jason Blum made that I, that you referenced was like really kind of profound to me. Like, and I feel like I've heard it before from other directors, maybe or different phrased it differently. But it really is like this show is like the perfect example of how um, effective a horror film can be. You know, when you can really identify that what works the best in it is the drama or the mm-hmm. family tragedy, and like really kind of playing into the tragedy of the, what this family has gone through. And and not knowing it, you know, like it it doesn't it doesn't tell you everything too soon. Mm-mm. It tells you everything over like a nice pace as you get introduced to all these siblings and to the father and to the mother and to the neighbors and to the people that you you know you'll learn more about as the series goes through. But it does it so well, and it kind of exposes the cracks in this family at um, such a nice pace and kind of culminating in the episode that you kind of identified. But um. I don't know, man. I just really love the show, and I think that it really um, plays into all the strengths that Mike Flanagan has. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of the horror films that he's put out that we've all, for the most part, enjoyed, in some way, have all kind of piggybacked on that idea of like there's a drama happening at the core of this film or of this series that you really have to buy into, and then the horror stuff just elevates it. Mm-hmm. And um, like you said, the hidden ghosts and like. The cool little Easter eggs throughout the series, like it, it all just, it just, it just all makes it such a better experience, and it, it just, you know, and increases like your enjoyment. You know, mm-hmm. I just, I absolutely was like geeking out over this series when it came out. I think it came out like October. Yeah. But um, 
was super stoked on it and just like it delivered in every way and exceeded my expectations really mm-hmm. few things did that this year and i mean like it did th- that that series is one of a handful of things that exceeded my expectations honestly with my tastes i i kind of almost couldn't believe it like the first yeah. couple episodes of that i was going oh my god particularly the end of the first episode yes the way that ends i was like you you have bought me uh, you know, with this storyline, like I've well played, I, like, sir. like, right. It's yeah. like, cause it, it came, it comes around with the horror stuff. Like right when you think it's a human story and it's a drama, there's a moment of, there's a few scenes in that season that are just so horrific. There's a scene uh, where a kid goes down in a dumbwaiter uh, to a basement. Yeah. And that's one of the most horrifying scenes I've seen. And there's a scene where a, a ghost comes into a room to get a hat. And that's a pretty scary scene yeah. too. I mean, how um, ridiculous does that sound? Like, I know, <laughs> but it, like, it, like it, it works on the level of like a lot of the stuff in like the Conjuring works, you yes. know, like <clears throat> that type of, you know, geography in a house and like you know stuff. moving down the hallways and in and out of rooms and who's yeah. where and what's that, and the pace of that it's too, so just good. the movement of going through the house and feeling like the camera's kind of roving around, almost like it's a ghost too. You know, you're, you're you get a sense of just the the beings that are trapped in this house. Is it a ghost, John? Well. Maybe it is. I don't know. If a ghost is an unfinished story or a person with business that, that didn't get wrapped up or or a memory that's stuck or a loop or whatever, it, it that all feels like it's very connected to the human idea of what's in this story, that these are people that are kind of like ghosts in their own lives, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so this idea of having something unfinished about you or having something that's not ready to let go, that's very connected to what the what the living characters in the in the show are doing. And so totally. it's it feels like this is the perfect group of people to encounter a bunch of ghosts. And I love the way some of them are kind of in denial about what they've seen mm-hmm. and some of them are leaning into it and saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, uh why are you acting like you didn't see it?" Um the the idea that this brother who was the le- most skeptical about what happened in the house, but he actually had some experiences that he didn't even realize were encounters with a ghost and we see the contextual, you know, that gets recontextualized that, that affects, in the yeah. show. I just love that aspect of it. And in my personal life, I don't really believe in, in the supernatural, um, at least not the way that people try to say that they've encountered it. But mm. I love a well-told ghost story. Mm. And I think at the end of this show, I was sort of curious about some of the stories that might be contained in that house. But I definitely um, was not... I read somewhere where Mike Flanagan said he was not going to come back to those characters, the family. Yeah. I, and I, and I feel like good. that feels like the yeah. smart way to go. That This season really does resolve a story of what happened to the family, but it leaves open the idea of what exactly is going on with this house and why exactly are there all these... Why does it seem to be... It's kind of like the Overlook Hotel in The Shining. It seems to sort of collect spirits. Yeah. And actually, very much like The Shining, too, it plays around with that idea of um, you're why your spirit is stuck in a particular place, the idea of being trapped, like you you would need to die in a place in order to be trapped, trapped in a place, there, yeah. that becomes a really crucial plot element in the in the show, just this idea of where are you when you die and what kind of forces are around you. So, so yeah, very thought-provoking and, and very creepy. I'll check creepy. it out now that, now that I figured out the issue. Yeah. <laughs> Five months later. Mm. Now that you figured out that it's not intended to be silent. <laughs> That was so it pissed me off so bad. Maybe that's my that's maybe that's the next rewatch. We just watch it silent. Yeah, oh, let's man. do it. Yeah, you could actually pick up on quite a bit watching it silent. I mean, that's it really. How, that's how you experienced half of the first episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's my pick. Yeah, this is officially the oh man, this the one. best show of the year. Yes, that's yes. right. Since you finished it, I've watched it two and a half times, maybe three. Um, <laughs> this is one of those shows. Uh, we've kind of discussed this in the past. It should not have worked. That pulls from a property that's old as shit. And that makes us old as shit. Don't yeah, say that. It kind of is what it is. <laughs> but 
it, it does it in a way that pays homage to you know what we know about the franchise and then brings in some new elements uh cobra kai the yeah. youtube original uh series that's where we are right now cobra yeah. kai the cobra youtube kai. original yeah, series youtube original okay series. Based now, off of the 1980s hit karate yeah. kid now tell me everybody said this was great mm. it's great but i mean what I, I i'm open to that but what is it that makes it great like well i'll let ronald start this is well, his pick one of the things that it does is it it's still grounded in the story. So what they mm-hmm. do is they take footage that just didn't appear in the movie and they show it, which is yeah. very interesting. Very cool. Different angles, uh, different. Mm-hmm. They got a whole like masters that didn't get used in the film. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. that's really cool. So, so they do a lot of that, but they also flip the idea of who these people are kind of on their heads because mm-hmm. you 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 know, uh, Ralph Macchio's character, you know, you like he's the hero. Mm-hmm. And then this does something very different. It's not that he's a villain. It's just he's become kind of this franchised sort of person that monetized his kick in mm-hmm. defeating this person who is now Cobra Kai is defunct. And this man is out on the street. Johnny is mm-hmm. not, struggling. Yeah, he is struggling in a way that I just haven't yeah. Well, that's the joke that people have told in recent years about Karate Kid is that if you view it in a different prism, it's the yeah. story Daniel's of how the villain, of how like Johnny yeah. had his shit worked out, and this Danny kid comes along and messes it right, up. Right, you know, right. so it's like I do find, and I don't think that quite tracks with the movie. Johnny is an asshole, mm-hmm. but it is funny to imagine like okay, if these are real people and they continue to have a life, if you're going to say these characters they're not caricatures, then they do develop. Yeah. And and Johnny was not like out to get everybody. He wasn't like trying to destroy the town or something. He yeah. was just a Kind of a you know a guy who really didn't think so, this yeah. really didn't want Danny around and didn't want him messing around in it. his life you know yeah. so yeah it's easy I like that idea that the show seemed to kind of proceed from that notion of well now that you know years have gone by so it's a different story that was that was the past and it has a good balance I mean you know Johnny John that's the weird part about all this like you kind of realize I don't know what happened to Ralph Macchio over the years but. Johnny steals the show in a way that's a little weird. Like he, it's he's so charismatic to the point where like seeing Danny on the screen sometimes with them in scenes together, like what, what is this? Johnny is so much more interesting of a character. But but I think even in Karate Kid, like Johnny is, <laughs> is the more charismatic yes. character. Yeah, but, yes. Daniel's kind of like the the the, yeah. the plain ass thing. Like Mr. Miyagi's is more charima- yeah. charismatic, you and, know. And maybe I kind of didn't pick up on that as a kid. Like, yeah, you watch this no, you're right though. I'm just like Danny is so cool because he's. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because he's a karate kid. He was the karate kid. Yeah. But it's done in a way that's really cool, and and seeing them interact with each other is really cool because the tension's still there after all these years, and it and it feels real. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like every time Daniel's son sees Johnny sweep the leg, he's like. What the fuck? Why is he here? Mm-hmm. I don't want him around. He's ruined my life. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. And uh, and it's about a man kind of regrouping and them kind of understanding at some point that the past is a past, but there's still something there. And mm-hmm. uh, it's done really well. It, it Again, it plays homage to the show, uh, the movie, but also has a lot of characters that are very likable, kids mm-hmm. that are very likable. Um, the two main characters, 
I, they keep them away from each other a yeah. lot. And so when they meet, it re- you really feel it. You really feel it. I'm not trying to shit on Ralph Macchio. No, I'm I know. Like, it was I mean, like, no, everything I saw from this show seemed to be f- putting Johnny front and center. Like yeah, I, I was, yeah. I wasn't even sure that Danny was as much of a character as he sounds like. It he almost is, so. felt like this guy was like, "I need this, and when I get it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock it out of the yeah. park." And it feels like that. But it's a really well done show. Obviously, gonna have a season two with a really cool surprise at the end. Mm-hmm. It's just really well done. I've watched it three times with Aaron. We couldn't believe how good it was. So. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai. Well, I mean, I definitely, I kind of expected that show to come up tonight because it was a show that, although I didn't see it, I every it seemed like everyone kind of went crazy for it. And then I heard a few people that were like, oh, it's okay. But I was like, okay, for that many people to go crazy for it, it has to have something. And it can't just be the nostalgia, you know? So it's, I feel, I feel like it gets going off of that. Right. But then it really does turn a corner where like it, it does start to explore not just saying like we're gonna explore this from the side of Johnny. Yeah, you know, it's more of like a moment in life changed two people's lives. Right, and you in your mind know from the sequels what happened to Daniel and past that, mm-hmm. but like you don't know anything else about Johnny, and like you get to see them both now mm-hmm. in, in 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 today's world, and like it touches on things about bullying and like how there's maybe you know a place in the world for. Cobra Kai mentality mm-hmm, and like yeah. Daniel San, you know, and like the way he sees things. Yeah. And like, you know, he may be successful in so many ways in life, but he's kind of failing mm-hmm. in other ways that he's not aware of until he maybe gets back in touch with Johnny and like that that little rivalry kind of steps back up. Yeah. It's really good, man. It's no, it, I'm, it, it's, I'm it's, really it's, it's a blast. It's it's a really fun watch. <clears throat> and it's a, it's a it's an easy watch too. So I'm excited to see what they do with the next season of it too. So. Mm. so yeah, I think that's right. So that's officially the best show of the year. Yeah, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I think we got some good choices here. Yeah. I gotta fi- oh, yeah. I gotta follow up on Killing Eve. We both gotta do that. Yeah. yeah. You gotta watch Haunting. Yeah. We'll come back together and we'll Haunting. figure it out. Mm. You know, a show that I've only seen a couple episodes of that you guys had talked about how much you liked that I didn't make it on this list, but I do want to catch up on all the episodes of it is Detroiters. Oh, love that show. Rest in peace. It's gone. Yeah. Rest it got peace. canceled. It got canceled. See, I did that thing accidentally that people do that always sounds crazy to me when people do it, which is like if you wait till a show's off so you can watch it. <laughs> do you ever talk to someone who'll say that? Like, yeah, I don't yeah. want to watch it until it's over and I know it turned out good and I heard that people liked it. And it's like, you realize you're saying, I want to see that, but I'm going to give it six years before I sit down to watch it. Yeah. But Detroiters, I just sort of accidentally didn't watch it until very recently. And I think it was after that story broke that it was canceled. But I'm not Champagne too surprised. Was really good, though. I, I, I want to check that. I heard that was good, too. What is Champagne Ill. It's about uh, oh. Adam Adam Pally, Sam Richardson's new show on YouTube. Oh no, it is. It's crazy. I mean, that man. sounds. They're like a part of a rapper's like entourage, yeah. and the rapper dies. He dies on a shoot of a video. of a video. He falls off a balcony, <laughs> and it's basically about them like not having that life anymore yeah. and having to return to life with and really not. Oh, having God, a those life. two guys in that in that setting sounds. It hilarious. sounds great. Yeah. I gotta watch it. And they're like thirty five. Yeah, trying to trying yeah. to build like, this life. What did I do with my life? Yeah, it's it's really good. Oh, you know, I, I know. Last time I talked about the comfort food of watching The Office, but I'll tell you one thing that shows you that the late seasons of The Office was not firing on all pistons is that they have Sam Richardson in. He's like a guy that works at Jim's sports marketing yeah. company, yeah. and he's not funny. Like they don't give him a single funny yeah. line. And I was like, how could you have that guy on set and somehow not know his cadences, his, you know, his style? Because from the moment I saw him on Veep. He was stealing scenes, you know. Yeah. So it always is weird to me when you see somebody that's oh, he had roles 
where they didn't quite know what they had or they didn't know how to use that guy. At that time, yeah. But no, he's so great. His timing, his his delivery is just him and Tim and Detroiters. Yeah, yeah. So good man. Well, that was it, guys. TV show movie, yeah. twenty eighteen yeah. best shows. You've got the list. Now go watch them if you haven't. If we missed any, comment on the the link as we post this episode on our Facebook page uh, and let us know if we miss any shows that you you think we need to watch. I know, like I said, I got to find Killing Eve and, and catch up on that. But there's a couple other ones I just. I know I need to watch. I just like I wanted to watch Succession. Mm-hmm. I heard a lot about that when mm-hmm. it was airing. But the, I, I need to finish the Terror. Yeah, the Terror. No, I saw, Those I saw three the, are the, the actually first three of that. Up for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I gotta find. Man, I gotta find time to watch them. But that's it. Next episode. <sighs> Best films of the year, or our favorite films of the year. We'll get that going. You know, I am actually glad we're doing that too because we've we've have been recording in a spotty fashion lately mm-hmm. and um like there's movies we haven't talked about yeah yeah that like that's fine honestly that, but i'm saying that we that completely slipped through the net that might be we might be talking about them for the first time in the best movies Ooh. of the year list which i find that kind of interesting like i'm i'm looking forward to some of these movies just talking to you guys about but um just coming out swinging with a yeah movie but it's interesting like it really is interesting when that happens when you realize we didn't get a chance to talk about it and maybe you saw it after it came out on home video or something. So it's like, yeah, there might be a few surprises, right? There might oh, be. Yeah. How do you feel about your best of the year list, Ronald, at this point? You think I it's started solid? Six months ago. Um, it's changed upwards of 50 times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mine too. And then, and then you I keep the, thinking of movies that I'm like, I can't believe they all came out this year. This yes, has been a long year. It, it was. And a lot of good movies. Yes. So many. Yeah. A lot of game changers. Yeah. Some would say. So, yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I'm very curious. I I was telling Steve. I think this is the first year that our our lists are going to be very different. At least in the bottom. You mean five. like six through ten? Yeah, I think this is going to be the most all all around diverse list. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah, more movies to talk about. Definitely. Cool. cool. Well, find us at moviesreview.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your choice. Uh, podcast platform is i'm hoping that we're there yeah if we're not let ronald know he can get us on there hopefully yeah we'll figure out a way figure it out that's what we do Mm -hmm. cobra kai (laughs) never say die (laughs) that's the best show um i think that was a goonies never say die yeah i like mashed up those nostalgic things i don't remember that don't they say never say die yeah goonies 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 never never say say die duh ronald Get with it, dude. They didn't say Adrian. That was Rocky. And Goonies. You're thinking of Sloth, <laughs> who I think Rocky didn't fight Sloth until Rocky Five. Yeah. We just tied them all together. Yeah. It, it works. It works. Rocky number two, Electric Boogaloo. That's it. You got it. Look at that. You're right on. Uh, again, next week we'll be back with our favorite films of the year. So until then, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye. Just for fun, let's record that section about Haunting of Hill House again. You want to? Third time's a charm. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel it more now. <laughs>